Hello legends, welcome to episode 3 of the Round Ball podcast. I am your host George Chitness of the Round Ball Breaks Facebook group. I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 3. Before I start, I'd like to thank everyone for their ongoing support and everyone listening um, and that have subscribed and have rated and have liked the podcast over uh, Apple and SoundCloud. Just a huge, huge thanks. Without you guys, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh, hopefully, we can get some more people on board. Um, I'm doing my very best to stretch the podcast across many more platforms. And hopefully, I've got some uh, some news about that over the next couple of weeks. So again, thank you so much. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be uh, doing this for quite a while. Uh, but for this week, uh, I've got a big episode to go through. We'll talk, I'll talk about the big results over the weekend. My major segment... My major, I feel like I'm I'm going to have a debate segment or just a statement segment every week. And this week, it's about stickers and the sticker market in football. It's what started um, everything in the soccer market or the football market uh, back, way back, to be perfectly honest. Uh, cards didn't really come into the foray for, for the world of football since probably the uh, early 90s, mid 90s, uh, Panini then got on board uh, with the World Cup sets, I think in 1998. So I'll be talking about stickers in general. Are they undervalued? Is it all that true collectors can afford nowadays with cards really being a, um, a business more than a hobby? Are the, is the sticker category the only remaining true hobby in all of sports? cards and stickers. Um, I'll be also talking about uh, some big, big prices for stickers, some stickers for collectors uh, to get and some big, uh, I'd say big sets as well. And I'll be also talking about the, the trends in the sticker market. You know, they, they are flying at the moment and my tip for the buy now uh, set in the sticker market. And I'll be finally finishing off with a full breakdown of the Italian Serie A players to watch. We're going to Italy this week. Last week, we went to Germany. The very first episode, we went... Where did we go in the first week? It felt like so, so long ago. Um, I'll get back to you on that. But we're going to Italy this week, and we're going to be talking about the players to watch. I'll be segregating it into the players we know, players we're getting to know, players we don't know, and players to keep an eye on uh, categories, as it was uh, pretty popular last week as well. So, the big uh, results over the weekend. Let's just kick that off. Uh, we'll start off with Arsenal. They painted London red in their big North London derby, 2-1 over Tottenham. Odegaard scored his first for the Gunners. In what's turned out to be a pretty underwhelming season for both Arsenal and Tottenham, um, Arsenal, you know, it, it, was a, it was a game basically uh, that was playing for pride. It's a big derby. Arsenal got it done. Tottenham got 1-0 up thanks to possibly the Pushkas Award um, candidate and front runner at the moment, the Lamella goal. If anyone has not seen it, it was a Rabona and it went through legs. It went through the goalkeeper. It's actually one of the most impressive goals I think I've ever seen. Eric Lamella can do that. Uh, I feel like he gets lost in the wilderness a bit because he tries to do too much and lately just hasn't really, um, it hasn't really worked out for him. He's a hard worker, Lamella, don't get me wrong. Defensively, he, he plays with passion. He does work hard for the team, but when he has the ball at his feet, he tries to do a little too much and that's his big criticism. But what he did in that game was unreal. But Odegaard leveled the scoring uh, one all, and then Lacazette put through a penalty to give Arsenal the three points. Uh, in Manchester, the uh, the City team, the Sky Blues toppled Fulham 3-0, and they now hold a big lead in the uh, EPL race. Uh, Manchester United did beat West Ham 1-0, but it looks like Man City are just going to run away with it. Cannot see them um, dropping any... Uh, huge points against mid-table, lower-table teams. It just looks like it's their title to win. Um, but for any Man City fans out there that are listening, I feel like that's not enough. If uh, Man City can somehow make a Champions League final 
or win the Champions League, then that's a success, I think. But Man City have just dominated the English Premier League uh, for the better part of a decade. So I think it's almost elementary for them and their fans to have the title back at the uh, Etihad Stadium. Uh, we go to France. Nantes surprised PSG 2-1 with a win in Paris, uh, which makes uh, which at the end puts Lille and keeps Lille uh, three points clear up and top in uh, the league uh, in in France. Big big result for PSG. Maurizio Pochettino. He's uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know how he's gone um, as a fan. Or some people out there that are saying he's doing a really good job. It does take a while for. Uh, a new manager to get in the swing of things, especially at a big club. Uh, he did really well to go um, to go through in the next stages of the Champions League. Uh, they did beat Barcelona quite convincingly, uh, but to get a little hangover like that and lose to Nantes 2-1, where they could have um, put themselves level on points with Lille, can they stay up top? Or does PSG just have enough firepower to um, overtake them? Neymar did not play. But I feel like PSG and Mbappe plays well when either Neymar or Mbappe doesn't play. Uh, just removes that focal point. My opinion, play Mbappe every single week. Neymar, I, I don't know. I really I really do not know about him. Uh, he's just become a bit of an enigma. His uh, career, his talent has stagnated a bit in France. I just think it was a bad move for him personally. Uh, he should have either stayed at Barcelona or he should have um, gone to a better club, possibly the Premier League, to assert his authority. France, with all due respect to the French League, it's um, not the most competitive league in in Europe or in the world. That being said, Lille's uh, three points clear over there. But the biggest news, I think, over the weekend was Cristiano Ronaldo. In my opinion, the GOAT. Um, in my opinion, the greatest player that we have in this game today Became the top goal scorer in football history. His tally is now at 760 for both club and country. He surpassed Joseph Bican with his goal against Napoli in the Italian Super Cup tie against them uh, to get to 760. So a big congratulations to Cristiano Ronaldo. That goal has actually skyrocketed his cards. His uh, 2006 World Cup card, I think, sold uh, early, either early this week or late last week for a total of 4,500. US dollars, BGS 9.5, 2006 World Cup card. If you can find his card out there for the high rollers and you can get it raw and it and it looks good, then buy, buy, buy. Um, we, in Italy, which is going to be the flavor of this episode, uh, we'll finish this segment in Italy. Into Milan, they beat Torino 2-1. And Milan, AC, lost 1-0, which widened the gap. Um, up the top, and Inter Milan now lead that league by nine points. In And ironically, Inter Milan's low-knee, Matteo Politano, scored the winning goal for Napoli against AC Milan in that game, 1-0. So, Inter Milan, uh, I don't know, what would you call that? A bit of uh, ironic... Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just irony. <laughs> it's just irony. Great result for Inter Milan. They go nine points clear, and uh, in Spain, Atletico Madrid tie nil all with Getafe. Barcelona beat Huesca 4-1 for Barcelona to close the gap on Atletico Madrid. It's only a four-point lead from the top. Uh, but we'll take a short break, guys. After that uh, roundup, we are going to talk about stickers. All right, legends. Well, uh, for the next five to ten minutes, I'm going to be talking about uh, the whole world of soccer slash football stickers and this is now becoming a really big topic within the, uh, the football card slash sticker community and it all bases around uh, the value the market in general and for the true collectors I actually haven't I've got I usually do a script every week and this segment I've actually kept blank. I'm going to be talking from the heart. I'm going to give my sentimental thoughts on the sticker market um, for the next, yeah, like I said, five, 10 minutes, because it is a, a subject that we as collectors should be talking about. For those new to the hobby, it's interesting and it's, uh, it's, it's definitely worthy of paying attention to in regards to the market. 
because um, there are just, there's, uh, let's just put it this way. The card market is just ridiculous at the moment. We'll put it as simple as that. Um, the pandemic has obviously uh, lit a fuse and it's just, uh, I, I think they've, they've lit the match against the uh, rope and it's just gone bang. It's just skyrocketed the market to levels I don't think any of us have expected. And even in that period of sort of May to November last year, during the, the true pandemic, uh, we, we thought that the card market would jump up and when everything sizzled down with COVID, that the market would drop down. That is not the case. Thankfully, the, the pandemic is dropping. The numbers are dropping, especially in Australia, okay? Um, Europe, America, it is dropping a little bit, but they are getting some huge numbers compared to, obviously, the Australian numbers that we got during the meat of the pandemic, especially in Victoria. I am Victorian. There was that period where we had 700 cases a day and that um, that sparked a, a statewide lockdown and a state of emergency. Uh, at that same time in America, there were around 200,000 cases a day. In Europe, even in England, there were around the same. Like we're talking thousands and thousands of cases a day. And that is continuing. It's, it's, it's slipping. Like I said, it's dropping overseas, but it, it definitely hasn't gone away the way that it that it is in Australia. We've done a very, very good job. That being said, I digress. Um, the market is just, it's still there. In fact, it's its growing and growing and growing. And the cards, I think they're based off the two big fish that I mentioned in episode one. We're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. And with their cards, they have a bit of a ripple effect on the market. So the Cristiano Ronaldo cards and Lionel Messi cards, if they continue to rise, then so do all of the sets that they are involved in. So I'm talking about the 2006 World Cup uh, soccer box. I remember doing a break three months ago. I bought a box for around $2,000. I think, uh, no, actually it was, it was more 2,300. I bought that and I thought, it, it can't get any worse than this. I did a break. Um, we hit a Messi and a Ronaldo in that same break. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is how much they're worth. This is fantastic value and congratulations to those that hit those cards. And I remember and I know the play, uh, the individuals that won those cards. And I thought, this is as good as it's going to get. Three months later... That same box is going on eBay right now. They're going up and the sellers are demanding close to $8,000 to $10,000. Last month, there were boxes that were selling for $5,000. We're talking Australian. And I thought to myself, this is this is ridiculous. If I kept that box, I would have made myself a six, dollars $7,000 profit and all is right with the world. But how do you know that? And Lionel Messi has just continued to skyrocket with his cards. Cristiano Ronaldo, the same. And while I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking, A, boy, oh boy, if you bought these boxes in bulk 12 months ago or 24 months ago, you're sitting on a good wicket. We, I, I really do hope that some people still have the boxes and are capitalizing now. Good for them. Everyone's got to earn a crust. But the major thing that I'm thinking as a collector is that we as a community cannot continue to afford to buy cards, to trade cards the way we did. It is definitely become a business and that's what it is now. The, the card community now is a business. Unless you're collecting players with sentimental value to yourself, um, so, for example, one of my biggest uh, personal collections is, um, is is Rude Van Nistelrooy. His cards don't get enough love unless they're an autograph. So, I can collect and I can buy those cards for relatively good prices. And I'm happy with that. But when you're looking at true collectors that have, for 20 years, 
and I'm speaking to my, my father's perspective. He is a big collector of footy, of, of soccer, which I mentioned in episode one. He just cannot simply afford to do that anymore. And I'm, and I'm thinking that he's just one of a fair lot. And I'm talking to you guys as well. Many of you guys have entered the market, but they're, uh, you know, over the last year or so, but there are many of you that haven't. There are many of you that have been collecting for years, for decades, and it's just not sustainable anymore to go out there and collect the cards you want. My dad loved collecting World Cup cards, so he's got a set from 94, 98, 2002, 2006, 2010, and then 2014 was his last year. He forgot to collect 2018, um, which was a bit of a shame because I had to go out and, and buy an Mbappe rather than have that um, in my collection. I uh, didn't hold it again. I did not hold it against him though. But uh, I, I, my dad was lucky enough to, to do that. But now it is not the case. Uh, it is very difficult to do that from here on in. It's going to be very difficult to collect sets that are sentimental to you, especially major tournaments, because they are the ones that will jump in value. And then I, I thought to myself, this was back in November, December. As I'm doing breaks, I went to myself, look, I, I love cards. There's nothing better than a personal rip. But I started looking at and going back to stickers, which was the genesis of football collections, thanks to Panini. And I got back into it. I've been collecting rookie stickers or stickers in personal collections. I've also been collecting Premier League sticker sets. Um, I, I'm looking forward to collecting tournament sticker sets. And I look at myself and I go, look, it's they were probably $50 to $100 before the pandemic for a box of 50 or 100 packs. Now it's gone to about 150 to 200 some of them 50 to 100 depending on the set. And I think to myself, that's, ironically, that's the best value. And stickers will catch up value-wise. They are starting to at the moment. I'll give you a couple of examples. But I don't think they'll ever get to a, a ridiculous price that cards are getting to. And I'm just speaking to you all, or mostly to the collectors listening... Like, I hold no grudges against investors. Like I said, you've got to do what you've got to do, um, especially during this time. You've got to earn a crust. You've got to keep your head above water. You've got to make a living. You've got to, you know, you've got to invest and you've got to play the market. But for the collectors out there, this uh, stickers are as good as you're going to get. Um, and I'm talking about the sentimental value of ripping open a pack and collecting and chasing a set. In, in stickers... There are no variants. There are no parallels. There are no autographs. It is just the pure crux of collecting. You complete the set, you win. Like It's kind of like that. It's like a challenge. You complete the set, you win. There is no sticker number to 100 and then that same player number to 50 or number to 10. It is just you complete the set and you clock it. It's kind of like playing a video game. You know, you get to the last stage, you win. You complete, the, you complete the game, you move on to the next game. That's how I feel with stickers, and I love ripping them. In fact, last, uh, last week I bought um, a few, I bought a couple of boxes from my favorite tournament, the tournament that started my love for the game, and that was the Euro 2004 set. Being a Greek, it's obviously a very memorable tournament. Greece obviously won Euro 2004. It was also the first tournament of, in my opinion, the greatest player that I've ever seen in Cristiano Ronaldo. And I opened these stickers and A, I thought to myself, if I can open a Cristiano Ronaldo as an investor, but also as a collector, that's a home run. But I'm opening the stickers and I'm going through the players. I'm going through Ruben Nistelrooy. There was Zinedine Zidane, Thierry Henry, Paul Scholes, David Beckham, even Dimitar Berbatov. Uh, there was Rude Van Nistelrooy in there. There was Arjen Robin, Wayne Rooney, my favourite Theo Zagorakis, um, who won the Golden Ball in that tournament. 
and it just took me back to those times. It's a real, it's a real nostalgic feel to stickers, and I don't think you get that with cards. And I feel as collectors, we just simply cannot afford to buy hobby boxes at, on average, $1,000 a box now for new sets. We can't afford to even buy the retail, which are, which would have been pre-pandemic around 20 bucks at a retail store. Now they're probably at about 100, 150, depending on when you buy them. To me, stickers bring back the nostalgia. They bring back the sentimental value and the, the whole what would you call it? The the essence of collecting and the essence of what got us to collect. And stickers to me, I believe, are going to be here to stay for collectors. It's going to now be a more affordable way to collect and stay in the hobby with now cards becoming a business. That being said, prices are jumping. The 2006 World Cup sticker box, which gives you 50 packs, or I think it was 100 packs in a box. I bought one six months ago for $250. Now, all of a sudden, they've hit to the heights of 500 US, which is about 700 Australian dollars. These major tournament sets are getting big. The Euro 2004 set that I mentioned to you, I feel like this is the most underrated and undervalued set in the market. Mark my words, guys, for anyone listening and paying attention, buy boxes of these stickers. As an investor, buy these boxes. I bought two for a total of around 200 Australian dollars seven months ago. I bought another two uh, two months ago for around 150 each. So that got to around 300 Australian. Now they're around 300 to 350. They're going up and um, the demand is there and people have realized that the big dog, his rookie tournament sticker is in that set, the Cristiano Ronaldo rookie tournament set. But the American market somehow finds that the 2006 World Cup set is of more value due to Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi's first um, first tournament, first major tournament. So I think the market hasn't caught up to this set. As an investor, I'm talking more about the collectors out there, but I'm talking to investors now. The Euro 2004 set, 50 packs per box, get your hands on them. And for the love of God, open one of them, enjoy it, bring back that nostalgia. Because we as collectors are being cornered and cornered even more to be able to only afford this set. Everything else has just gone bananas. The stickers, I think, will continue to go bananas. Um, additionally, the 2002 World Cup sticker sets, they have gone up as well due to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's first World Cup. Uh, there are Ronaldinho's first World Cup, the 1998 stickers are catching up as well. But I, I have to admit that I bought a 1998 sticker box, but I didn't. I'm not keeping it. I'm buying it and I'm opening it because I want Thierry Henry. I want Ronaldo. I want Zinedine Zidane. I want Dennis Burkamp. I want all these players that my dad grew up on and started to love. And I was only eight years old at the time, but as I watched the 2006 World Cup, which was the first one that I could comprehend. Um, I watched Zinedine Zidane. I, I watched uh, Fabio Cannavaro. I, I watched all these superstar players in that tournament. And I remember Zinedine Zidane being 1998, and I thought this 1998 sticker would go very well in my collection. So yes, the market is catching up to stickers, but I don't think stickers are gonna hit the heights of sticker um, of card boxes. A major example, EPL Panini Prism. The hobby boxes now are worth around 850 Australian to 1,000 Australian. You can get the sticker boxes for around 100 to 150. Last year, the EPL Prism 1920 um, hobby boxes were going, uh, after the pandemic, they were hitting on the heights of around 800 to 1,000. You can buy 50 packs, a 50 pack box of Panini EPL stickers for around $40 and still enjoy a rip 
and, col and, and, and aim to collect a set and buy enough boxes to collect a set of about 400, 500 stickers. You can afford as a collector to buy these boxes in bulk without breaking the bank. So stickers, are, there are high-end stickers that are in high demand. Okay, don't get me wrong. There are stickers out there that people are going to pay stupid money for. We're talking about Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. Even David Beckham's first ever sticker is going for stupid money. But as a collector, if you want to keep collecting in this day and age, and you want to keep collecting sets of the tournaments, so Euro 2020 coming up, the World Cup 2022, even if you want to go back to the 2018 World Cup and collect sticker boxes, they're under $100 a box. Um, that's all you need to say. A, a box of World Cup Prism in 2014 is now going for around 7,000 Australian. A 2014 sticker box of the same players, mind you. Even more players because sticker, sticker sets have upwards of 400 to 500 stickers in a set compared to 300 or 250 in a set for cards. The 2014 boxes. I bought a couple overall for $80 Australian, including postage. So for those out there that get that fear of missing out, I get that. But your bank account won't let you do that. And there is the alternative. There is the alternative and that's stickers. And that is my conclusion of this whole chat. I've gone way over time. I am so sorry, guys. I think I'm going to condense the Italian Serie A players to watch uh, later on. But this is this hits me, and this hits me true as a collector, as someone that's gotten back into the market that has forgotten about cards and stickers for 10 years due to work commitments and so many things going on in my life. But I've never had more joy opening sticker boxes and I feel like when I open card boxes, I think in my head, economically, I bought this box for say $800. I hope I get an $800 card to break even. With stickers, I don't see it that way. I buy two boxes for 80 bucks. I even bought the Euro 2004 stickers for 300 bucks. And I just sat back and I enjoyed it. I just counted it as an expense. I don't care. I'm going to collect this set. I'm going to put it in my collection. I'm having a great time. I'm remembering all these players. That's how I feel. And even for investors out there, invest. Go for it. Invest and there's nothing. I'm not holding anything against you. In fact, I, I thought investors were the bane of, of the existence of the hobby because they've just... Um, They've just ruined the hobby and they've made it a business. But now I, I get I get what investors do and I get why they do it. But as investors as well, I implore you, buy a sticker box. Buy a sticker box from a, from a tournament or from a year that you've started falling in love with the game and started to realize the players and started to appreciate the players. Buy a box, spend half an hour opening the stickers and sit back and enjoy there's no better feeling. And that's what I did with 2004 Euro. My, my period that I, followed, that I fell in love with the game was 2004 to 2006. And every time I opened, I, when I could afford to open a World Cup 2006 sticker box, I sat back and I just remembered all these players. Australia was also in the World Cup, so I had a great time. Um, for, the, for the younger generation out there, for the Gen Zs, think of that year that you started to fall in love with the game, even if it was playing FIFA and there was a player that you liked or there was, there was players that you started to follow. Buy a box, open, enjoy it, spread the word of what you hit and just bring back the essence of collecting. Uh, but, but that being said, guys, that, that is my thought of stickers. I think they are undervalued. I think as collectors, this is all we can afford anymore. And, but, there, but there's nothing better. And I'm going to continue collecting stickers. I've already bought EPL 2021 stickers for a set. I'm going to buy a few more 2020 boxes so I can complete my set. I'm going to do Euro, World Cup, I can't wait. I might even go back to 2018 and start collecting in that uh, tournament. Even 2014, because I believe 2014 was the best World Cup that I've ever seen. Uh, that being said, uh, that is it. And uh, in a, we'll take a break. Um, I'll, I'll gather my thoughts again and uh, I'll come back to you 
with the Italian Serie A plays to watch from an investment and collective perspective. What better way than to enter the Italian Serie A players to watch than a nice uh, soundbite from The Godfather. I uh, just thought I'd bring it back to Italian roots. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, but we're getting into the Italian Serie A players to watch. We have a lot to get through in so little time. I'll try not to um, take up too much of your time remaining. That that segment about the stickers just, uh, just went on for too long. Um, but... I'm very excited for this uh, for this segment purely because Italian Serie A doesn't get the love that uh, that La Liga or the Premier League or even the French Liga does. Uh, purely because Serie A is perceived by very by a lot of people as a very defensive and very fundamental league with not a lot of flair. They're basically waiting for players to leave Italy to then invest or then collect, but. But people, um, like a very good friend that I will mention that helped me collaborate this list, uh, will show that if, if you support and you follow this league, you will get ahead of the pack and you will invest in players that no one really thought of. And um, it's with that that I'm very excited to, to collate this list and to talk about players. Again, I'm going to separate them into players we know, players we are getting to know, players we don't know, and players to keep an eye on. And I usually uh, separate the t- the players as well. And I usually go for ones that are in the investment mold position. So I'm talking about wingers, strikers, attacking midfielders. They're the big three. But I'm going to add some players in the Italian Serie A because it's really a collector's league of players that I think including one of my favorite players in my collection that I'll, that I'll talk about very, very soon, uh, that you um, can start a collection on. And it's also a way for people that don't really watch Serie A to watch it. To, 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 if you've got in sports, if you have that luxury, uh, to sit down and watch a game and, and, and start supporting and start following these players and these teams. Because it really is a fun league. It's a great league. I love that. I love this league. I love following it. I actually prefer it over the La Liga. I know there's a lot of La Liga fans out there, and you might probably hate me for saying this, but Italian Serie A, to me, is probably number two. EPL is number one. Serie A, number two. Uh, And I think there's Daylight, and then you've probably got the La Liga underneath that. So, with that being said, we're going to get into the players we know, and we start off with Nicolo Barella. And this was admittedly a player that I did not have in my list um, to start off with. And um, I feel kind of foolish. This has been mentioned um, by a, a good friend called Daniel Aiello. He has a Instagram page out. It's Azuro Cards. So it's A-Z-Z-U-R-R-O underscore cards. A very big fan of Italian Serie A football. And he told me and gave me his advice on some players to add in this list. This is one of them, Nicolo Barella. He's 23 years old. Um, sorry, he's 24 years old. His shirt number is 23. Plays for Inter Milan. He's Italian. Plays as an attacking midfielder. And his stats have been pretty impressive. We'll start off with Serie A. He's been in 27 appearances this season. Three as a sub. He scored three goals, had five assists, and has a who scored rating of 7.02, which is very, very good. In the UEFA Nations League, he had seven appearances so far and with a total rating of 7.39. Champions League, he's had six appearances, hasn't scored a goal, but has had one assist. 6.69 is his rating, so quite underwhelming. But I, as a as a attacking midfielder, I think he has all the tools to be a high, a, a buy low, sell high investment. He plays a lot of time in the midfield as a central midfielder. It is an area that I do not like to talk about due to the fact that they don't get the love in investment world. He plays better as a center midfielder than an attacking midfielder, but he's an excellent passer and he, he's got very, very high concentration. Nicolo Barella, Inter Milan, note that down. We move down 
to the second player. This is the play that I should have started off with. He's my favorite player. He's in my PC. He's out there for investors. His name is Lautaro Martinez. He is an Argentinian striker. He's 23 years old. He wears the number 10 for Inter Milan. This kid will go, mark my words, will go to an English Premier League side. I feel like Haaland is the, the man to get in the English Premier League. And whoever gets him in the English Premier League, the other teams will start to panic and will start to almost have him second on the shortlist. He's still very young. He scores goals for fun. In the Italian Serie A this season, 21 appearances, 6 sub-appearances, 14 goals, 5 assists. Can play as an attacking midfielder or a central striker. He's got a who scored rating of 7.24. He's only scored the one goal in his six overall appearances in the Champions League so far this season for a 6.92 rating. As an attacking midfielder, his who scored rating is actually high. He's got a 7.84 in his one appearance, but all the other games as a striker in 25 appearances, 7.33. Loves a shot outside the box. He plays for a Gigan Press side. I'm telling you, if Klopp is looking for a striker, which I believe they should be looking for now. This is the perfect Gigan Press striker that can punish on the defense. Lautaro Martinez, he will play in the Premier League. He will be a low investment, uh, sorry, a, a buy low, high sell investment option. His passing is a bit sporadic. Doesn't hold on to the ball. He's not a good aerial threat, but what his strengths are, and I remember this being a scout for a, for a AFL team. Someone once told me, look at what they can do, look at what they can do, forget about what they can't do. And what this guy can do is special. He will be playing in the World Cup next year in, in Qatar 2022. He's going to be my candidate for the Golden Boot winner. Mark my words. Lautaro Martinez, a third player that we know, that I know, this is a collector's only um, option. Uh, like I said, I'm just putting in a couple of collectors-only players in this set, uh, in this segment, because I feel like there's a lot of collectors uh, players. This one, he is an AC Milan player. He's touted as the next Italian captain. His name is Sandro Tonali. Again, collectors-only. He can play as a deep-lying playmaker or a central midfielder. For those that play football manager, you'll know this guy very well. He's probably the first player that you buy. He is a 20-year-old that plays predominantly as a central defensive midfielder, can move higher up as a central midfielder. I said he played, he, he's Andrea Pirlo 2.0. That's what I feel like he is. Daniel told me probably not. He's more Gattuso in the Gattuso mold, which I probably agree with after watching more of his highlights. He's a very smart footballer, guys. He's had 16, uh, sorry, 20 appearances in the Serie A, four as a sub. He's got a, uh, a rating at who scored of 6.54. So he hasn't had the most overwhelming season for AC Milan. He came to AC Milan uh, from Brescia last year in a transfer. He's had a, he hasn't lit the world on fire, but as a 20-year-old, I think he's got all the tools to become a world-class central midfielder, possibly the best central midfielder in eight years' time. He likes to play long balls. He's a great defensive player. He's a great passer. Um, and he's a set-piece taker. Uh, so, so that's a great thing. He um, obviously, being at 181 centimetres, just lacks that aerial ability. Sometimes he, he can sit back a bit. So he's not really a goal-scoring threat, but he can be with long runs through the channels. Um, and sitting off defences and then making his move. I just love this player. As an investor, I wouldn't invest in Sandro Tonali, but as a lover of Serie A and, and this kind of player, for collectors out there, buy, buy, buy. Um, I kind of forgot to add in the, the cards and the stickers to watch, but I'm sure that everyone out there will be searching eBay and searching websites and I'll give you a website at the end of this segment to have a look at um, to give you a hint and to help you all find that first card or first sticker. Sandro Tanali is the next player. 
Um, another player, we stay at AC Milan, a player we know, Theo Hernandez. He is a uh, defensive left, he's a left wing back and he plays for AC Milan. He is French and he's already played for the French team many, many times. He's 23 years of age. He's a good attacking threat from the wing. He's had 23 appearances this season in the Serie A. He's actually scored four goals and had four assists, which shows his attacking prowess. A who scored rating of 7.3. He's quite possibly the best left back in Italy and in the Serie A. This is a player for both collectors and investors. He's a very, very good player. And he's not one to, um, to sort of... Uh, ignore purely because he's a defender. I feel like defensive left, uh, attacking left fullbacks or attacking right fullbacks are a good investor's, um, a good investor's pick as well. So Theo Hernandez, French left back. The next player is a player that everyone is starting to know quite well. His name is Federico Chiesa. Um, he, he, he plays for Juventus. He's 23 years of age. Can play, um, Anywhere, he can play as a left wing, a right wing, can play drop back and play as a left uh, right, a left or right midfielder closer to the centre backs. He's got terrific versatility. He's best played um, as a, I'd say as a, a, a drop back winger, not as an attacking winger per se, but he can play that role well. He's actually played nine games as a right midfielder with a 7.53 who scored rating. Additionally, on the left, 7.51. That's where he plays best. He's a great passer for someone on the wing. He's, he's quick, he loves to dribble, and he can also be the modern inside forward that can cut inside. And he he's a very big set-piece threat. He's had 21 appearances in the Serie R this season, uh, two as a sub, six goals, six assists, 7.3. Uh, who scored rating, which is unbelievable. In the Champions League, eight appearances, two as a sub. He's scored four goals. So he's almost scored a goal per start. And um, one assist for a 7.14, who scored rating. He scored two goals against Porto last uh, last week, um, which is where, he, where the tally extended to four. That being said, very promising player, very good player. He'll be an Italian starting 11 player for years to come. He will start in the Euro 2020. Um, and I think my another good friend, Daniel Robson, will agree on me with this. I know he loves Bernadette, but Casey uh, is very close there. Unfortunately, Daniel, if you're listening, Bernadette, 27 years old, don't think he makes the cut in this. Um, our final player and the players we know... It's another collector's player, one that investors shouldn't look at, but I feel like he's going to be one of the better central defenders in the world. His name is Matthias De Ligt. He is a uh, Juve player. He's Dutch, and he's very young, and he's just awesome. Um, he's 21 years old, and he can and he and he plays like he's a 25 year old. He links up well with uh, uh, Van Dijk. In, uh, in internationals, he's had 15 appearances in this Serie R, two as a sub, and he's had a 6.72 who scored rating, which isn't too shabby. In the Champions League, he performs a bit better. He's got a 7.05. Matthias De Ligt, for those that, are, that, are, that have Dutch backgrounds, that are Juve fans, definitely invest, uh, sorry, not invest, definitely collect this player. Very good player. Love him um, as a defender. Now, we move on to the players we are getting to know. There's only three of them um, in here. And I'm going to start off with a player called Nicolo Zaniolo. Now, he plays for AS Roma. Uh, he's 21 years of age. He's a central attacking midfielder. Uh, the problem with him, though, is that he um, has a long-term injury. But I'd, I'm telling you, he's got a great through balls. He's a great dribbler and he can finish as well. He was very, very good last season. And uh, I, I feel like this player can make some noise for the Italian team if he gets his body back on track. Last season for Roma, he had uh, 16, 26 appearances, six, uh, 10 as a sub. He scored six goals, had two assists for a who scored rating of 6.87. He's a very good player. Hopefully, he gets his body uh, right again because he's a 
he's one to watch, he's one to look out for, and he fits the mold of A, he's in those investment positions, and he has the capabilities to, to be special, not only for the Italian team, but for AS Roma. The second player, we stay in Rome. His name is Lucas Pellegrini. Uh, he is obviously an Italian player. Uh, sorry, he's French. He's 20 years of age. And he can play... Um, his, his role is predominantly as a midfielder. Uh, he's one that we don't know yet. I feel like... I feel like this player can be very, very special. Uh, sorry, I got that wrong. It's uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma. Um, he's Italian. I got that wrong. <laughs> I just uh, accidentally clicked on the wrong Pellegrini. I was wondering what was going on. Yes, plays in a central attacking midfielder, can play on the left, has got great passing ability, and he takes set pieces. He's a great set, uh, set piece threat. Lorenzo Pellegrini, 24 years old, in um, an uh, Italian national. He is a starting Italian player too. He's had 26 appearances in the City R this season, three as a sub, four goals, six assists. For a 7.32 rating, his highest rating is as a central attacking midfielder. He's played 15 games there according to who scored for an overall rating of 7.63. So this kid's got it all. This kid is going to be special. He's already special in my opinion. And uh, he scored a goal in the uh, Europa League against Shakhtar a couple of weeks ago. I think it was last week actually. Uh, and he had a ripper game over there. Unfortunately, didn't play a good game, as did many Romans against Barma over the weekend when they lost 2-0. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini. Again, Lorenzo Pellegrini. He is one to note down and to watch out for. The final player that I've got in the players that we are getting to know. His name is Dejan Kulusevski. Kulusevski. He is Swedish. He is 20 years of age and people, especially my friends that follow the Italian Serie A religiously, consider him the next big thing. He plays for Juventus. He's a striker and he wears the number 44. He can play also as an attacking central midfielder or can play on the right in the Serie A so far this season. 24 appearances, 11 as a sub, three goals, and has got a uh, who scored rating of 6.66. That obviously tracks back to the fact that he's played more as a sub. Juventus have a lot of attacking options. So it is hard to break into that uh, team. Uh, he came from Atalanta. Um, who? Sorry, not Atalanta, Parma. He played for Parma. He was at Atalanta 2018-19. Went to Parma 2019-20. Last season for Parma. 36 appearances, 33 as a sub, and scored 10 goals, had 8 assists for a who scored rating of 7.12. So he's made great progression from that mid-tier Italian City R team to Juventus. He's going to be a Swedish national player for years to come. He will play in the Euros this year. Uh, mark my words, he's going to be a great player. His Chronicles XR cards are the cards to get from the 1920 set. So for those looking for a Kulusevski card, in my opinion, his Pitch Kings card is um, the one to get. So find that on eBay. You can get that for um, a pretty good price. And that rounds off the three players we are getting to know. Quickly after the break, we'll take a short one. And I'll go through the players we don't know and the players to keep an eye on. All right, guys. Back uh, for my favorite areas of the... Um, of the players to watch segments. We are looking at players we don't know and players to keep an eye on. These are players that um, no one, apart from the real hardcore Serie A fans, do know. These are ones that I think could be real buy low, sell high options if they do become superstars. There's a couple in here that I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, we'll start off, though, at AC Milan, and we're starting off with a Belgian right midfielder, attacking right midfielder. He's a 21 year old. He goes by the name of Alexis Salamakers. Um, hopefully I pronounced his name properly. It might be Salamakers. Um, Salamakers. 
Uh, I'll, I'll try and get a list of the players with their name for you guys to make it easier to search. Um, like I said, attacking right midfielder has played 22 times for AC Milan in the Serie A5 as a sub. He's scored two goals, had two assists for a 6.63 rating on who scored. He's very one-dimensional. He only plays as that right attacking midfielder. Very good defensive player, so he really works well as a Gegen Press attacking mid. Um, sorry, attacking right mid. He's only also had three appearances, two as a sub, with one assist. He's one to look out for. He's got some good tricks. Uh, just one to keep an eye on and to watch some more Serie R football and to see his development. But for a man that is 21 years old, and has had 22 overall appearances in a team such as AC Milan, he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Staying at AC Milan, this is one of my players that I'm excited to talk about. He's uh, kind of uh, slipped under the radar for many investors and many people out there that are collecting uh, Italian Serie A cards and players. Um, I'm going to butcher this guy's name probably. He's Portuguese. He goes by the name as... Uh, he goes by the name of Rafael Leao, um, L-E-A-O. He is Portuguese, a 21-year-old that can play um, predominantly as a left attacking mid, but has shown to play across the attacking midfield line. So he can play left, can play central, can play on the right. He can also um, pinch hit up forward, and he's actually had According to uh, who scored of his 22 overall, uh, sorry, let's have a look. 20, of his 29 overall appearances so far this season, he's had 10 as a centre forward, scoring three goals for a 6.89 who scored rating. In a set of R, holistically, he's had 22 appearances, four of those as a sub, five goals, five assists for a rating of 6.94. So as a 21-year-old to produce that uh, those kind of numbers, I think it's a really good step in the right direction. I don't think he's a Portuguese starter at the moment, but I feel like he will be in the Euro 2020 squad. He will come in as a sub. He might even start um, if there is a dead rubber third game. Uh, I just think this guy's got a lot of a lot of talent. He's a great dribbler. He's a great counter-attacking threat too. He's got pace. He's got a lot of pace. So he can really run through the channels and be a problem for defenders. And um, he's got a bit of flair, can do a few flick-ons. Um, passer, not the best passer. Uh, defensively, not all there at the moment. Uh, so he plays predominantly as someone who likes to have the ball at their feet, can cut inside, can have a shot. He's de a very decent shot for goal. This guy is definitely one to look for. He's only 21. By next year, he could possibly be um, a real solid option for Portugal in the World Cup, obviously pending their qualification, but it looks like they are going to qualify. Rafael Leao playing for AC Milan. His full name is Rafael Alexandra de Conseco Leao. Next player we're going to look at is a player for Napoli, and this is actually a player that um, I'm a big fan of and that no one really knows, and he's also a, a real up-and-comer in African football. I love talking about African players. They've always they've, they've had that, um, that history of producing quality strikers, and this guy is no exception. His name is Victor Oshimhen, or Osimen. He is a Nigerian, 22 years old, playing predominantly as a striker. He's had 12 overall appearances for Napoli this season in the Serie A, five as a sub. Um, he actually played for Lille as well um, and also played three games in the African Cup of Nations. But in Serie A, 12 overall, 12 overall appearances, five of them subs, three goals, one assist for a 6.98 who scored rating which is actually pretty impressive for a player that doesn't get much game time and has limited ch uh, chances for goal. He's um, a great aerial threat, so he's very um, very dissimilar to the strikers that I've been talking about recently. Most of them aren't aerial threats. This guy is. He's an excellent, uh, an, a bloody good finisher, guys. He's a very, very good finisher. He, but his weaknesses are he does get caught offside a lot, and his passing isn't all there, but I'm looking at what he can do. 
great aerial threat, great finisher, great speed, great flair. Um, in the African Cup of Nations for Nigeria, he's had three appearances and has scored four goals, which is a ridiculous return. Victor Oshimen, um, look out for him. O-S-I-M-H-E-N, Nigerian player for Napoli, 22 years of age. Uh, we go back to Inter Milan. Our next player that we're going to look at is one that Daniel Ayala of Azuro Cards mentioned. His name is Akraf Hakimi. Again, Inter Milan, he is Moroccan. So he's another African uh, player uh, with high, high potential. Hakimi, H-A-K-I-M-I. Uh, he is a defender or can also play as a right midfielder. This is a very high fullback. He's a very attacking fullback and can also pinch it as a right midfielder. Of his 31 appearances this season um, overall that has been listed on who scored, he's had 20 of them playing as that high attacking fullback for a who scored rating of 7. Uh, for the Serie A, 26 appearances, 6 as a sub, 6 goals, 4 assists. Mind you, this is a defender, guys. This is a right attacking fullback, 6 goals, 4 assists. For a 6.98, 6.98 who scored rating, and he's got a passing completion percentage of 82.9 in the Serie A. For a, te for a league so fundamental, this guy's got it. He's a great passer, a great dribbler. He has great contributions both offensively and defensively. And he plays with a lot of concentration and passion. I really can't see a weakness to this guy's game at the moment. Um, you know, if you're basing him as an attacking fullback and pinch hitting as that uh, right midfielder, not as a winger, just a right midfielder like next to the central midfield on that line, he can do absolutely everything. He is a fantastic footballer. He played for Borussia Dortmund last year. How's this? He had 33 appearances for Borussia Dortmund last year, five goals, 10 assists for a 7.32 who scored rating. Not only is that ridiculously good, but he's already surpassed his goal tally from last season. This kid's the real deal. This kid is one to watch out for. And I've got a note here from Daniel when he talked about Hakimi. Ronaldo is raving on about him, so he definitely needs to sh uh, have some respect from the card community. And I'm talking about R9 Ronaldo, not CR7 Ronaldo. The original Ronaldo, number nine, Brazilian superstar. He raves on about Akraf Hakimi. Remember that name for investors out there. I'd suggest you buy now. Um, he is not. He's going to keep getting better. He's going to keep uh, being that player that Serie A will just sit back and watch in awe. Now we're going to go to another team. Now it's not a conventional team in Serie A. Sassuolo. Um, we're looking at a central midfielder by the name of Manuel Locatelli. He is 23. He's not in the conventional uh, investors' positions, playing as a central midfielder. He's had 24 appearances this year, this season in the Serie A, all as a starter. Three goals, one assist for a rating of 7.13. Um, as a central midfielder, pure central midfielder, he's got a who scored rating of 7.54. Can play very. Uh, it plays defensively. He's a very strong tackler. But the one thing that I'm impressed about with this guy. Daniel actually mentioned this player to me, and I went back and, and I watched a few of the Sassuolo games that I could get on um, on free um, subscriptions and be in sports and look at his YouTube highlights. He's an excellent passer of the ball, and this guy could actually make some noise in the Italian national team. He has played for the in the Nations League for Italy this season so far has made three appearances uh, sorry five overall appearances two as a sub for a 6.99 rating he will definitely leave Sassuolo in the near future but I suggest you go find his card now he would probably have a Chronicles card from last year's uh, 1920 set Manuel Locatelli L-O-C-A-T-E-L-L-I Manuel Locatelli not a conventional uh, investors position like I said but for collectors out there worth having a look and our last player definitely is an investors player he plays as a striker he scored a hat-trick over the weekend for Fiorentina his name is Dusan Vlahovic he is Serbian and he plays as a pure striker not 
versatile, but what he can do is very, very special. He's had 26 appearances, 20, uh, three of them as a sub, and has scored 12 goals for one assist. Two men of the matches, according to who scored. He's made four appearances as a sub in the UEFA Nations League for Serbia, and he scored just the one goal for them. He is an excellent finisher, but he's not a player that will hold on to the ball. He likes to play the safe passes. Defensively, not all there either. But on the counter-attack, he will, um, he will provide. He's um, at a decent height, 190 centimetres, so he can be an aerial threat. In fact, it says on his Who Scored profile that he likes he's a very big indirect set piece threat. So a whip in from an indirect free kick, he is quite valuable and he is quite um, damaging to the opposition defenses. One to look out for because, like I said, in his uh, last game for Fiorentina, he scored a hat trick against Benevento when they won 4-1. He got a perfect Who Scored rating in that game of 10. But he can be a bit inconsistent. There are games where, especially against uh, Spezia, he, he won. He scored a goal in their 3-0 win, got 8.22. But there are games where he gets 5 point something, you know, 5.9, 5.7, 5.6. His consistency is a bit of a worry, but that's what you get from young strikers. But he's um, definitely on the right track. Dusan Vlachovic is the last player in the Players We Don't Know segment. We're going to quickly go through the players to keep an eye on because we're running way out of time. We'll start off with my, one of my favorites, Riccardo Orsolini from Bologna. He's one to look out for. He plays as an inside forward, mainly on the right. He's 24 years of age. He loves the cuts, um, and he loves to cut inside. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. Only 24. Has got a who scored rating in the City R this season of 6.75. Uh, Nicolo Fagioli is another one. He plays for Juventus. Um, he's one that I've, I, I have to admit, Daniel told me about him. He's 20 years old for Juventus. He, uh, he's only made the one appearance as a sub, but from what Daniel's told me, he's one to watch. Um, he's only had the one appearance as a sub, like I said, one appearance in the Coppa Italia. Um, but Nicolo Fagioli is one to watch. I've also written down Sebastiano Esposito, who, who is a striker, um, and he plays uh, for Venezia at the moment in the Serie B, but is on loan from Inter Milan. Very inconsistent player. Um, he, he has all the tools to be a good footballer, but he's just not having that consistency as a striker. He played only eight games last season. Um, five, in, five of those being a sub. He's only scored the one goal for Inter Milan. He's a football manager, one the kid, so everyone will know who he is that plays that game. He is one to kind of watch and see how he goes, but it looks like he's going in the wrong direction. Um, still keep an eye if you are watching Serie A. Uh, we'll go back to Bologna. This is a, a player that, um, when doing my analysis, I actually got quite surprised. He's only 20 years old. His name is Emmanuel Vignato, V-I-G-N-A-T-O. Plays as a central attack. Uh, he plays as a right or a left attacking midfielder. He can cut inside. Great through ball player. Great crosser, and he can take a set piece as well. His season this season hasn't been uh, too. Uh, overwhelming, hasn't set the world on fire. Only a 6.35 who scored rating in his 23 appearances for Bologna, 16 of them as a sub. Um, so hopefully he gets some uh, better game time. Emmanuel Vignato, uh, sorry, yes, Emmanuel Vignato. And my final player, I'm trying to find him. His name is Mikel Damsgaard. Apparently, this is a player that Daniel uh, also recommended to me. Watch this space, he said. Mikel Damsgaard. Uh, he is... I think he's... Uh, Danish? Yes, he is. He plays for Sampdoria. I know that. 20 years of age for Sampdoria. Mikel Damsgaard. He's had 25 appearances this season. 12 of those as a sub, has scored two goals, had four assists, and had an inter played an international friendly for Denmark this season as well. He's got a 6.69 rating 
in the Serie A. Can play anywhere. He played one game as a striker, got a 7.49 rating. He plays mainly um, off as he, he plays mainly as a left midfielder. That's his main position, attacking left midfielder. He's got a great dribbling ability. He's not the best finisher, but he's a good two-way player. So that's one to look out for. And hopefully, he can get into a higher team. Mikaela Adamsgaard, he is definitely also a candidate to make the Danish national team. So I'll run through the players to keep an eye on quickly again, because it was a bit quick. Um, as we've gone over, I think we're like at a minute five, 65 minutes. So again, Emmanuel Vignato of Bologna, Ricardo Orsolini of Bologna, Sebastiano Esposito of Inter Milan, Nicolo Fagioli of Juventus, and finally, Mikel Damsgaard of Sampdoria. And guys, with that, we finish the podcast. Um, thank you to all that have gotten through and have listened. It was, it's gone about 10 minutes over, but uh, it, it's one that I, I really uh, don't apologize that much when doing it when I'm talking about something that I really enjoy. So I hope you always get something out of this as well and you always uh, leave listening to this podcast with something to research or something to look on or, hey, now hopefully you guys can watch some more Serie A and follow these players. Um, but thank you again. Thank you to Daniel Aiello of Azuro Cards for helping me and collaborating with me with this uh, players to watch in Serie A. Next week, please do not miss it. I'm going to talk about players in the Dutch Eredivisie League. We're going to the Netherlands and we're going to talk about my favorite youngster. And many of you that know me will know who it is. For those that don't, please listen and invest in this player the moment you hear his name. Mark my words, he's going to be quite possibly a Ballon d'Or candidate in five to six years up there with Mbappe and Haaland. But that ends it, guys. Thank you so much again for listening to the Round Ball Podcast. Please like, subscribe, rate, share with your friends, do whatever it takes. The more people listening, the better we can make our community. But for now, I am George Chipness of Round Ball Breaks, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you all again for listening to the Round Ball Podcast. And do not forget to add and join my Facebook group, Round Ball Breaks, at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Round Ball Breaks for the most valuable soccer slash football breaks in the country. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Round Ball Breaks.